Well, good morning. It's good to see you on a July 4th morning. And uh, you, know, you wonder, being a uh, Sunday, July 4th, am I going to be speaking to the tech team there in the back? And uh, with an expanse of uh, nothing in between, I know many people are traveling, and, uh, but we're so glad to be able to meet together and to celebrate together as we celebrate God's goodness, as we look at His Word, and as we are encouraged in His blessing. And, you know, P- Paul reminds us as we looked a couple weeks ago that our ultimate citizenship is in heaven. Uh, But I am sure glad to be an American while I'm here on earth. And now, we all know that we face challenges as a nation, and we're called to pray for our nation. We're called to be salt and light. Although there are challenges, we are still very blessed. And so as we celebrate Independence Day as a nation, We can be grateful for all of the so many blessings that God has given to us as we celebrate our Independence Day. This morning, we're going to be looking and stepping away from Philippians to a battle. And, And as we do that, I'd like to introduce it with a battle that took place in our Revolutionary War. David McCullough wrote the book 1776, and he said this, Incredibly, yet again, circumstances, fate, luck, providence, the hand of God, as would be said so often, intervened. He says that in conjunction with what took place in New York in August of 1776. And many Americans are not aware of how precarious the situation was at that time as well as many other times during the American Revolutionary War. In 1776, after the British had abandoned Boston in March, their next campaign was New York. Their plan was to isolate New York and New England from the rest of the colonies And a large British force of about 32,000 soldiers opposed about 19,000 soldiers of the Continental Army. After the British force landed on Staten Island, General George Washington moved much of his army across the East River from Lower Manhattan to defend Brooklyn. On August 27, 1776, the British attacked Brooklyn on three fronts. The British attacked American forces directly on two fronts, but sent a force of about 10,000 men through a little-known pass and outflanked the Americans. Caught off guard and outnumbered, only a series of fortuitous events saved the American Revolution, as David McCullough writes. First, there was a group of about 400 soldiers from Maryland that were able to fight and save the army from a complete rout. And this allowed a larger group of Americans to retreat to Brooklyn Heights and to avoid capture. Uh, Rather than press the advantage, the British General William Howe ordered his men to stop the attack and instead dig trenches around the Continental Army. He expected the Americans to surrender. He also expected British ships to sail around and cut off the Americans from their only line of retreat across the river to Manhattan. But the ships never came. Why? 
because there was not enough wind to get them there. Washington had the night to secretly get 9,000 men to safety and keep his army intact. He ordered every available boat to be taken and used to get the army across the East River. Working throughout the the rainy night, the oarsmen in the boats crossed the river multiple times to deliver soldiers across to the other side. The only problem was that as the sun rose, there was still a large part of the Continental Army left in Brooklyn. These men likely would have been killed or captured if they did not cross the river. Losses that the Americans could not afford. But the final fortune would smile down on America from above. A heavy fog settled down over the area and the rest of the Continental Army was able to conceal their movements from the British. As the fog lifted, the British were left in amazement as the Continental Army was gone. The British were able to capture New York on September 15, 1776, but they did so without destroying the Continental Army. The Revolutionary War would continue, and with it, the ultimate American victory. Without a few hundred soldiers, those from Maryland who protected and slowed down the British advancement, without a lack of wind that kept the British uh, boats from getting to where they were expected to be, and with a heavy fog that protected the army as they crossed the East River, there may have never been a United States of America. Now, we look at our nation and we look at the amazing history that God has given to us. And it reminds us and challenges us to think about our ultimate citizenship and our ultimate victory in Jesus Christ. So this morning, as we look at freedom... And as we look at victory, we're going to be looking at the story of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, a story that reminds us of the importance of looking to God for our strength and our victory and to praise and worship Him. Let's pray and ask for God's blessing. Father, as we come before You this morning, may we be encouraged in Your faithfulness in our lives. We thank You for the many blessings that You have given to us each and every day. We thank You for Your faithfulness in all parts of our lives. And Lord, as we look to You, may we focus our attention upon You. May we be encouraged and challenged to grow in our relationship with You each and every day. And Lord, as we celebrate today, may we be reminded of the ultimate freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 an amazing story of God's victory for Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah. The situation was not good. As we look at the first two verses, follow along as we read 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. It says, It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and the others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is En Gedi. You know, Jehoshaphat was a godly king, but he faced continual battles. And that reminds us that in our lives, we are going to continually face battles. Jehoshaphat had 
finished a battle previously recorded in chapter 18, and now another enemy is coming and another battle is ensuing. And in your lives, you may feel the same thing, that it's a battle, continual battle in our walk with God and our fight against Satan. And just like Jehoshaphat, sometimes the circumstances seem overwhelming. As as verse 3 begins, Jehoshaphat feared because he recognized the incredible battle that he faced. And so what was his strategy? What did he do? Well, after recognizing the situation, Jehoshaphat's strategy is laid out in verses 3-13. through Follow along as we look at those verses. It says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven, and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now here are your people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you." Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. What a powerful prayer that Jehoshaphat gives. He was afraid. It says that in the beginning of verse 3 that he feared, but his fear did not paralyze him. You may be going through something right now where you are afraid, but we cannot let fear paralyze us. Jehoshaphat faced incredible odds, but he knew what needed to be done. And as we see from his prayer, as he called out to God, the strategy was to recognize and to look to God for deliverance. And we must do the same thing. Jehoshaphat and the people chose to seek God. Look back at verses 3 and 4. Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from all the cities they came to seek the Lord. Both Jehoshaphat and the people chose to seek God. What do we do when the circumstances seem overwhelming? We're called to seek God. And as Jehoshaphat prayed. He reflected on God's sovereignty and God's covenant relationship that He made with Israel. He had witnessed God's sovereignty and power in the battle that was recorded in chapter 18 where 
Jehoshaphat was spared and Ahab was killed. If you go back to chapter 18, it's a fascinating story. Another amazing story of God's hand in the nation of Israel. Ahab was the king of the northern tribes, and Jehoshaphat was king of Judah, or the southern tribes of Israel. As you remember, the the nation had split into two parts, and the, the northern kingdom, the kingdom that was referred to as Israel, was wicked throughout its time, but the southern kingdom had a few godly kings, including Jehoshaphat. But foolishly, Jehoshaphat chose to make an alliance with Ahab as they were fighting against a common enemy. And as they fought, Ahab had come up with a plan. He knew that that the enemy was going to seek to destroy the king. And and so what he did is he said, all right, Jehoshaphat, you're the king, and, and I'm going to just sort of blend in with the soldiers. Well, the battle ensued and the enemy was winning and and the enemy sought out the king and and they were given the command to go and seek out and kill the king. And when the king would be destroyed, the the Israelite army would fear and flee and, and they would have the battle. And so they started to seek out the king and Jehoshaphat was in the king's chariot and they came out after Jehoshaphat and Jehoshaphat called out. And God miraculously caused the enemies to to recognize that this wasn't Ahab and, and they stopped attacking Jehoshaphat. And then it says that there was a random archer who shot a random arrow that pierced Ahab in between the plates of his armor and Ahab died. Chance? Coincidence? No. The hand of God. And God spared Jehoshaphat and the army of Judah. Although Ahab, the king of the northern tribes, was killed. But just as in that story from 2 Chronicles 18, Jehoshaphat recognized God's sovereignty. And Jehoshaphat recognized, as he says there in verse 12, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon You, God. We need to come to that recognition. We need to come to that realization that in our own power, in our own strength, we are hopeless and helpless. But with God, we can have the victory. And so the people gathered together and they sought God. They knew it was God who was sovereign. God who was in control. And if you look at this prayer from verses 6-12, to in those seven verses, Jehoshaphat uses the term you and your 18 times. Calling out to God. You have done this. It is your power that we look to. You are sovereign. You are in control. 18 times in those seven verses, Jehoshaphat recognizes and looks to God. 
And so we see that, that he reminds God of, of God's faithfulness to the nation of Israel. And he goes through it and he shares the story about how that they were to look to God as, they were, as he was standing there in the temple and calling out to God that God had been faithful in the past and he was confident that God would continue to be faithful in the present. And he could look forward to the faithfulness of God in the future. And he reminded God of what had taken place when the nation of Israel was brought out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses. And as they came out into the wilderness, they came across these same peoples that they're fighting here in chapter 20 of 2 Chronicles. But God had spared those people. And God had told Israel, do not destroy them. Just go through. God will protect Israel, but you don't destroy these people. Just go through and I will give you the promised land. Well, it's these same people and their response to Israel's grace and God's grace upon them was to turn around here. Now, obviously, it was a long time later, but to turn around here and to attack those same people that didn't attack them. And Jehoshaphat reminded God, now he knew he didn't need to remind God, God never forgets. But he pointed out, God, we, we obeyed you. And we will strive to continue to obey you. But we're trusting in your promise to protect us. And so God, we don't know what to do, but... Our eyes are on you. And in the next verses, verses 14 through 24, we see the salvation that God brings. Beginning in verse 14, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. So God spoke through this man, Jehaziel. And he says in verse 15, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up to the ascent of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. And you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites of the children of the Korahites stood up and praised to the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe His prophets and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of the holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. 
So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were, there were their dead bodies fallen to the earth. No one had escaped. The Lord responded to Jehoshaphat's prayer and to the prayer of the people of Israel by telling them, you do not need to fear because the battle belongs to the Lord. And several times throughout this passage, the Lord reminded them through the, the prophecy of Jehaziel that they did not need to fear. It's amazing throughout Scripture the number of times that the phrase, fear not, or do not be afraid, is used. But God gives that same promise to us that He gave to Jehoshaphat. That He had given to the nation of Israel throughout the Old Testament. That He had given to His followers in the early church. Do not fear, for the Lord is with you. They needed to follow God's direction and trust Him. What does God call for us to do? God calls us to obey and to trust. And that's exactly what they did. So how did they respond to the promise of God? They responded with worship and praise and they obeyed God's commands. And verse 22 tells us that God set up ambushes But He did it after they obeyed. Notice verse 22. It says, Now when they had began to sing and to praise. Now it's sort of a strange strategy. Jehoshaphat said the leaders of their army were the singers. The lead worshipers. And so as they went out to battle... They didn't go out to battle planning with swords and spears and strategy of of taking and surrounding the enemies in a sneak attack. Their plan was to worship God. And that's what they did. And when they obeyed, God provided. Remember back when, they, when the nation of Israel was getting ready to go into the promised land and they crossed the Jordan River? When did God open up the waters? It says when the, feet, when the priest put their feet in the water, then the waters parted. But sometimes we, we get in a little dilemma with God. We say, God, you provide, then I'll obey. God says, you obey, and I'll provide. But it's hard, isn't it? Because that step of faith that is required is oftentimes very scary. But when they had begun to sing and to praise, they they marched to the place that God called them to go. And they followed the plan that God gave. Then God set the ambushes. And the enemies began to fight each other and to kill each other. So when they actually arrived where the battle was to take place, 
the enemy was completely wiped out. Trusting God. As the old hymn says, trust and obey. For there's no other way. And that's what God calls us to do. Just as he called Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah. And then in verses 25 through 30, we see the celebration. Verse 25 begins, When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry which they had stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. And on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Barakah, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore the name of the place was called the valley of Barakah until this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord, and the fear of the Lord was on all the kingdoms of those countries where they had heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. God had provided victory and God had provided bounty. They renamed this place called Ziz. They renamed it to Barakah, which means blessing. is a reminder of God's blessing in the victory. And it's interesting that they worshipped and praised on their journey back to Jerusalem and when they arrived in the temple. You catch what's taking place during this whole scene, this whole narrative? Before it began, they bless God. In the midst of the battle, they bless God. And when the battle was over, they bless God. What's the key? They bless God. They bless God before God's provision, trusting that God would provide. They bless God during the provision as they watch the hand of God in His miraculous victory. And they bless God, celebrating the victory that God had given. You know, as followers of Christ, we sometimes struggle with obeying, but we also many times struggle with praising. Why do we struggle to praise God? We should be joyful worshipers. But I think sometimes we struggle because we allow fear to control us. Sometimes we struggle because we're afraid what others may think. And sometimes we struggle because instead of celebrating the victory of God, we're focused on what's the next battle we're going to face. But God wants us to praise Him. Looking ahead to the battle and the victory, in the midst of the battle and the victory, and in celebration of the battle and the victory. They worshipped before, during, and after. But we're going to close with an epilogue. We'll read the next verses, and I know it's a long narrative we've gone through this morning, and we won't quite get to the end of the chapter, but we'll read the next three verses, and then we'll summarize what takes place at the end. The epilogue, what came next? 
you know, this was not the end of the story. Beginning in verse 31, it says this, So Jehoshaphat was king over Judah. He was 35 years old when he became king, and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Shili. And he walked in the way of his father Asa and did not turn aside from it, doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away, for as yet the people had not directed their hearts to the God of their fathers. And in the epilogue, we have good news and bad news. Now is like the bad news first. I don't know about you. You can get it over with, then we can get to the good news, right? Had to eat my beans before I could get dessert. Get them over with, then I can enjoy dessert. Well, he gives, the author here gives the good news first and then the bad news. So we're going to do the good news and then the bad. The good news, God gave Jehoshaphat rest all around. We saw that in verse 30. The nations around them had heard of the news that God had given an amazing, miraculous victory. And Jehoshaphat had peace. We see in verse 32 that Jehoshaphat did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Good news. But we also see bad news. It says there in verse 33 that the high places were not taken away because the people had not directed their hearts to the God of their fathers. Now this is interesting because if you go back to chapter 17, near the beginning of Jehoshaphat's reign, it says this in verse 6 of 2 Chronicles 17. It says, And his, Jehoshaphat's heart, took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. What had happened? He began destroying these places where they were worshiping idols from wicked kings from before. But the people never truly repented completely and turned their hearts solely to God. So when the hard times came, they would turn back to idols. Because their hearts had not completely turned to God. But if you look at the last few verses of this chapter, we see that Jehoshaphat himself, even though he was a godly king, and by the way, he was in a minority as a godly king of Judah. But he made another alliance with Ahab's son, who was now king of the northern tribes. His name was Ahaziah. And they made this alliance that had to do with ships, and the ships were destroyed, and it was a great stain upon his reign as king of Judah. But once again, just as he had with Ahab earlier, he made an alliance with the wicked king. And when you do that, disaster will come. But what about Jehoshaphat's reign? Jehoshaphat's reign overall was a very good and godly reign, but it was filled with ups and downs, with wise and foolish decisions. But the battle here in 2 Chronicles 20 was a great victory. Why? 
Because Jehoshaphat trusted and obeyed God rather than choose to follow his own plan and trust in his own strength. I guarantee every one of us this week are going to have battles. The question is, how do we respond? Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon You. And we will worship as we prepare for the battle, in the midst of the battle, and as we see God's hand in the end. Jehoshaphat and the people could see the hand of God, but His hand is just as powerful and active today as it was then. The question is, do we trust? Do we obey? Do we stand and watch the hand of God? Let's pray. Father, thanks for Your goodness. And Lord, as we worship You this morning, may our worship honor You. May we praise You for Your faithfulness in our lives, just as You were faithful in the life of Jehoshaphat and the lives of the people of Judah. You are faithful in our lives. And as we celebrate as a nation, help us to celebrate as your kingdom. And we will give you the glory and the praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.